Hi there. Welcome to the Calm Podcast, combining academia and life with Marilyn. My name is Marilyn Ritchie, and I have been a mentor and a scientist for 15 years, and I wanted to find a platform to reach more of the academic community than I interact with at my own university. My goal is to give you strategies and ideas for how to achieve harmony between work and life. Sit back, relax, and let's achieve harmony together. Hey there, this is Marilyn. Welcome back to another episode of the Calm Podcast, combining academia and life with Marilyn. This week, I decided to talk about how to plan for the transition to a new job. Um, We are at that time of year where lots of people are graduating from high school and graduating from college and finishing up grad school and finishing up postdocs. And I know within my own research group, I have had the conversation at least three times in the past month about how to start thinking about the next thing and the next position and how to plan for that. I feel like right now is a particularly unusual time to be making some of these decisions decisions because of uh, what's going on with the pandemic. So we are in uh, week 12 of the stay at home here in Pennsylvania. We do open back up next week and transition into the yellow phase, um, which means that some businesses will reopen. But because of what's happened with the pandemic and with the economy, A lot of places have had a hiring freeze or positions that were previously available or no longer available. The economy is in a tough situation right now, and so a lot of places that may have previously been hiring aren't. So I I realized that for some people, it's just really hard to even think about finding a job because there just aren't as many jobs right now. I think the unemployment rate is also, you know, at an all-time high. And that adds to the stress and anxiety of looking for a job. Nonetheless, people are graduating and they are finishing up their training and they do need to find jobs. So what I thought we would do today is talk about how I mentor my trainees on looking for that next position kind of how to weigh those different factors and try to help them kind of guide through that decision process. All right, so when I am mentoring someone to start thinking about the next position, I often encourage them to think about five different things. It used to be just four, but as I sat and wrote this down, it's really five. I just kind of broke two things apart. So I'm going to tell you the five things and then I'm going to walk you through that, the list and kind of how you weigh them. I will say, yes, I am a scientist and I tend to view the world through the lenses of an academic in science, but I think that these areas apply no matter what area you work in and you're looking for a job. 
So the five things are, number one, the particular kind of topic or area that you will get to work in. You know, for the people in my group, it's the type of science that they want to do, but it could be whatever area and whatever field you want to work in. Number two, who would be your boss, the PI of the lab, the head of the lab, the head of the group, who would be your supervisor? And what is that person like? Number three, what type of workplace is it? Is it academia? Is it industry? Is it government? Is it nonprofit? Is it for profit? Number four is location. And number five is the type of group that you would be working in. So I'm going to break down each of these and talk through kind of how I explain them to the people in my group whenever they're making these decisions. I will say, before I get into them, one of the things that I suggest that they do is to write down kind of the pros and cons of these different areas. It helps to prioritize. It's not just a matter of you know, what is your perfect dream job look like, but also what would be the negatives that go along with some of these different decisions? And does that negative outweigh a potential positive? It's, it's not a binary kind of yes, no for most of these. It's, well, it depends on, you know, how different it is from what I had hoped. So number one is the the topic or the field or the science, the type of work that you would be doing. For some people, this is paramount and the top priority above and beyond all other things. They, ever since they were a small child, have had a dream about working in this particular area. And so come hell or high water, they are going to work in this field. There are other people who love science. They love all areas of science. It doesn't really matter. They like genetics. If they work on human genetics or mouse genetics or fly genetics, they don't really care. They just really enjoy genetics. But in general, they really like biology too. And so if they ended up in a cancer biology lab, they'd be just as happy. Each person has to know for themselves how high of a priority the specific topic or field that the work would be in is for you. If it is the highest priority, then kind of making a list of, okay, you know, this is the area I want to work in, and here is how far from that area I'm willing to go before it is too far. If you have a passion for a particular field and getting too far from that is going to make the work feel much more like work than like an enjoyable hobby or a passion project, then you shouldn't do it. But if you are generally interested in lots of areas, then this particular uh, topic might be lower in your priority list as you start prioritizing which area to focus on when making the job decision. So think about the topic area. If it is absolutely critical that it is in this particular field, put this one up on your high priority list. If the specific science is not that important, or the specific topic is not that important, 
you could put this one lower on the list. Okay, number two, and these are not in any priority order, by the way. These are just the order that, that I thought through them. Number two is who would be your boss or your supervisor, the head of the lab, the PI of the lab, the head of the department, depending on kind of where you are in your career trajectory. Having a good leader and a supervisor or superior that you look up to, that you trust, that you see as a role model, can make work much more enjoyable and you can learn a lot from that person which can make it a really rewarding experience. I have had outstanding leaders during my career and I have had some terrible leaders during my career. And on the one hand, they don't affect necessarily your every day to day. Um, depending on what career level you're on, the amount of interaction that you have with your supervisor or your boss may vary. It may be every day, but it may be two or three times a week. And so it's possible that a less than stellar leader does not impact your day to day. But in the long run, I have found then when when it's a leader that I don't trust or that I don't like very much, that I think makes bad choices, that I think is either mean or disrespectful or disloyal, um, it it always has come back to bite me. Um, it, you know, I'll I'll make a decision about a particular leader and think it'll probably be fine because I'm not going to interact with this person every day. And every time I have not listened to my gut and I've gone with a leader that I knew was not going to be a great role model for me, every time I have ended up really unhappy in that position. And maybe that's just my personality that I really like having a person to look up to as a role model someone that I can um, watch and learn from. But I also know a lot of friends. I can remember this in graduate school, you know, first year doing rotations in labs and they picked a particular lab because they liked the people in the lab and they loved the project, but they hated the PI. They couldn't stand the PI, but they thought, you know what? I only have to talk to this person once or twice a week. It'll be fine. All three friends that had that experience changed labs during grad school. They could not take it for five or six years because it was miserable. You may be the type of person that you don't really care. Lots of people hate their boss. Lots of people complain about their boss. There are even movies about horrible bosses. But for me, who I would be reporting to and having a high level of respect and admiration for that person and feeling like I as a leader can learn from that person is a high priority for me. So I would think through how much does it matter to you, kind of what that boss is like, what their style is, how they treat the people in their group. If that is a high priority for you, weigh that one highly and think through what are the qualities in a leader that you're looking for. 
If this one is not a high priority for you, then you can put this one kind of lower on your list. All right, number three is the type of workplace. Here, I am thinking about whether you want to go into industry or academia or government, you want to work for a nonprofit, you want to work for a for-profit, you want to start your own business, do you want to be in a big corporation, do you want to be in a small business, do you want to be at a big R1 university, at an academic medical center, at a small liberal arts college. There are so many different types of places that you could find a job. And again, much like this idea about kind of the the topic or the field that you work in, number one that I talked about, this one can also for some people be so, so important because their whole life they have dreamed of working for a big biotech company or they've always wanted to work for a nonprofit and do something in the area of social justice. Um, there are some people who have always wanted to be a professor and teach in a college. And there are others who, quite frankly, have just kind of fallen into positions based on other factors. I would say I'm one of the people who thought they were going to um, end up not in academia. So my original plan, like original, original, back when I was a kid was to be a, a doctor. I wanted to go to medical school until I volunteered in a hospital and realized that I couldn't stand the sight of blood. Like it literally made me nauseous and dizzy and sick. And so it was obvious that I couldn't be a doctor because you have to be able to deal with blood. And so then I decided to go to graduate school. But even then, I wasn't really sure what field it would be. And once I was in graduate school, I assumed I would go work in industry at a pharmaceutical company. And it wasn't until about halfway through my third year of graduate school that it started to look appealing to me to stay in academia. You know, I'm now what 17 years later and I spent a few years outside of academia and I can say without a doubt academia is the right place for me, certainly in this stage of life. Um, I enjoy the environment. I enjoy mentoring. I, I just like the feel of academia and you know, having college students on campus, and I like the way that, you know, college campuses are laid out. They're generally very beautiful, lots of trees. They're really pleasant to walk around. Um, I just, I enjoy academia very much. I know a lot of people that don't. They go to graduate school to get their PhD to go work for a, some sort of industry. So for yourself, thinking through whether it's an industry position or an academia position or government, whichever area, which one do you want to do? Is it one that you've always wanted to do? Is it just now at this stage, one of those areas is more appealing for certain reasons? And maybe you're the type of person that the specifics of the type of workplace don't matter. As I've had conversations recently with my students, I think that for some, the topic and who they would report to is far more important to them 
than where, you know, what type of place it is. They want to do this particular type of science and they want a, you know, a, a strong, um, kind and positive leader, but it doesn't really matter to them if it's in academia or industry. They just want to do this type of work. For others, they really want to be in academia. They absolutely want to teach and they want that academic experience. Any of those decisions are fine. It's just a matter of knowing for yourself where to put the type of workplace on your priority list and then making decisions accordingly so that you either emphasize the type of workplace in your search or de-emphasize the type of workplace in your job search. Now let's talk about number four, location, location, location. They say when you're buying a house that location is everything. Uh, It totally will drive the resale value of your house. And so location is the most important thing. When you are on the job market and thinking about a new position, sometimes location is everything. You want to live in this city, full stop. This is where your family is. This is where your friends are. You don't want to leave the city that you're in then you basically look on a map, draw a circle, how far you're willing to go out, and that's where you look for jobs. You look for postings, you kind of really narrow your search into that particular location. Sometimes you may not care about the specific location, but you have certain criteria about the location. So for example, you want to be in a big city So you could make a list of, you know, what are the top 10 cities you would want to live in? And then you could focus your search there. I have had students who want to live in a particular region. I want to live in the Northeast. I want to live on the West Coast. I want to live in the Midwest. So you could narrow your search to that particular kind of geography based on where in the United States you would want to be, or in a different country for that matter. It could be that you want to be in a medium-sized city or a smaller town. It could be that you want to be close to water or close to you know, warmer weather, or maybe you're into skiing, so you wanna be somewhere that has you know snow and cold enough winters for skiing. Again, like all the others, there really isn't a a right choice or a wrong choice. It's an individual personal decision. And deciding how much location matters is really important for you as an individual. I have friends who have spent much of their life making location the last thing on the list because they felt like it was superficial and silly. If it was a great job working on really interesting science with a great boss and resources to do the work, they have taken the job. Even though it was in a medium-sized conservative town when they are a very liberal person or in a very, very small town 
where they didn't know anyone. They were very much an outsider and very much a person who enjoys a big city. I have seen people go to a big city because it was a great opportunity, but they were a small town person and overwhelmed by big cities. I have seen friends take positions in certain areas that have cultural differences from their truth and the way that they live their life. And they've taken the job because it was a phenomenal job, but then finding their community of people was nearly impossible because they just came from a different cultural perspective that didn't exist in that small town. The small town, you know, had their way and their view and my friend's view did not fit in there. So while I, I can understand deprioritizing location because for a lot of reasons, it's not the most important thing. You generally spend your day, you get up in the morning, you get ready, you go to work, you're at work, you go home from work, you have dinner, you relax, you go to bed. So for most people, Monday through Friday, it kind of doesn't matter where you are because you would be doing the exact same thing anywhere, in a city, in a town, it doesn't really matter. On the weekends, that's when it matters. What are you gonna do with your weekend? How are you gonna have a community of people What will your hobbies be? Who will you interact with? And so I can understand deprioritizing location because it's such a small part of your weekly life. However, depending where you are in your life stage and what type of community you're looking for, it might be the most important thing. If you're at a stage of life where you are still single, but you want to be married or at least have a partner at some point and you move to a geographic region that you are unlikely to find someone that is compatible with you, it could be really lonely. Dating would be really hard in an area where there are few people with the same interests as you. On the other hand, if you are married and you have a family and that's your primary focus, maybe the location doesn't matter as much. It could be that you are married and have a family and the location is the most important thing because you want to be closer to your extended family. You want your children to be around their grandparents or their cousins. So I can make the argument for how location becomes the most important thing or the least important thing. Again, it's a very personal decision. I would recommend thinking through how important location is to you and making a list of not only what locations, but what about the location is important. And then as you go through your search, be able to go back to this list. Um, And I'm not kidding when I say to write them down. I mean, you could write it in a notebook, you could type it on a, you know, something on the computer, a Google Doc or whatever to save it. But... I think it's important to spend the time being really intentional and thinking about this list and then going back to it once you are doing interviews and starting to entertain offers so that you don't get dazzled 
by the shiny thing, this great position with a great salary that is a terrible boss in a terrible location and not the type of workplace that you wanted. But it's the type of work and it's a lot of pay. Go back to your list. Are you willing to sacrifice those other things that were high priorities for you because of the big paycheck? And maybe you are and there is nothing wrong with that. But I think it's it's helpful to focus and get grounded and go back to the list of what's important to you when you're making the decision so that you can make it from a, a sound and well thought out intentional place. All right, number five is the type of group that you would like to work with. Here I'm thinking about I guess two things. One is the size of the group, and then the other is kind of what is the personality or the culture of the group. There are certainly institutions, and this, I should say, this is really at any level. So if you are a student looking for a postdoc or a postdoc looking for a faculty position, I guess it's it's just a different group. So for students who are looking for postdocs, do you want to be in a big lab that has you know, dozens of people and a lot of resources in terms of you know, finances and materials and data and intellectual resources? In a big group, there's a lot of creative people to interact with. Or would you rather be in a smaller group where you would probably get more individual attention from the PI of the lab, but there won't be as many people to interact with and to brainstorm with, and there may not be as many resources. If you are a postdoc looking to start your own lab, do you want to be in a big department that has 50 or more faculty and is a big, kind of research engine for the institution? Or do you want to be in a small department that has 12 faculty? If you're going into industry, do you want to be in a big R&D group, research and development group? Do you want to be in a kind of smaller niche group in a company or in government or for a nonprofit. So part of it is the size of the group and the other part, as I said, is the culture or the personality of the group. So I myself am an extrovert. I'm outgoing and talkative and chatty and I like interacting with people on a regular basis. My group is not all that way, but we do tend to be a pretty social, talkative group. Um, a few people in my lab are a little bit more introverted and a little quieter. Nonetheless, they get along great with the, the talkers in the group. We do have a quiet lab while everybody's working. So there generally is not background you know, music playing. Um, but I do know other labs that have music playing in the background in the lab all day long. And it's kind of always loud in the lab. I think my group would struggle if it was really loud. Uh, I just have a lot of thinkers. So while I'm extroverted, I'm also a thinker. And so I do like the quiet time. So 
knowing, you know, is it a really social group that goes out to lunch together? They go for coffee breaks. They have happy hours. They are loud. Or is it a quiet group that's all very kept to themselves and very private? Is it a, a community that, you know, interacts a lot outside of work and builds friendships? Is it a group where they don't really have friendships outside? The people within the lab aren't really friends outside of work. Again, neither of these things are, are wrong or better or worse. It's just for you. What type of group are you hoping to go work with? So those are the five areas that I suggest to my students and postdocs that they think about when they are looking for a job. And as I said, I think those are important really in any area and really at any career level, prioritizing these things and deciding which are most important to you are really helpful. The the last couple things I would say, you know, one other thing that I certainly have done and I tell my friends to do this all the time, especially once they have job offers. So they're beyond the deciding where to apply and um, kind of figuring out what area they want to be in and what type of job. But now they're down to, you know, two or three choices. They have the job offers and they're trying to decide which one to take because each one has something that like puts it above the others. I suggest, and I've done this myself, to try the job on for size. That's what I tell them. I say, okay, today, put in your mind that you have picked that job. For the next 24 hours, own it. How do you feel? Start planning in your head what it's going to look like to move to where that job is. What is it going to look like to work there? You know, do some visualization exercises and see what does it look like to be there, to be doing that type of work in that environment, in that location, for that boss? And see how you feel. Do you feel super excited? Do you feel sick to your stomach? I have absolutely seen this work for me, that there was a job that was such a cool place. It was close to water, which I am a water person. It was at the time that I was looking for a new assistant professor position. And this particular university was not as highly ranked as some of my other offers, but it was by the ocean. In the end, as much as I wanted that job, it was a great salary in a great location with wonderful colleagues and a great department chair. And I was so excited about it. However, at that particular point, I would have been the only person in my field in the department and really in the institution. And so I decided that while I liked the department chair very much, I did not think that there was someone there to mentor me in my field for my career trajectory. And starting out as a new assistant professor, even though that position hit all of the other areas for me, the fact that there wasn't a mentor. So in that boss PI lab head area, you know, one of the things you look for in a leader is mentorship. There's the mentorship in the leadership area and in your discipline. And there was not a mentor in my discipline at that institution. And so 
when I would think about taking that job, I got freaked out. I felt sick and I thought, I can't, I can't take this job that I'm going to be afraid and not feel like I have someone to go to with questions in my field. And so I have found the exercise of, you know, pretending you took the job and see how it feels for a day. And then the next day, take the other job. And if you have three choices, you know, do that for three days. But just try it on and own it and see how you feel. Follow your gut. Our gut instincts are so, so smart and they're usually right on. And then the last little tip, and this is not so much about um, making the decision, but uh, as you plan out your interviews, once you have your list of places that you want to interview, you know, you apply for the positions, you get invited for interviews. If you have a top choice, kind of starting out, your dream job is this one. Do not let that be your first interview. In fact, I wouldn't even let it be your second. I would try to make it third or fourth if possible. A lot of the time, our nerves get the best of us in the first interview and it doesn't go as well as we had hoped. Not all the time, but often. And so I really encourage the folks in my group to not let that first one be their dream because if they do let the nerves get the best of them and it doesn't go as well as they had hoped, I don't want them to ruin their chances at their absolute top choice. If you don't have a top choice, then it really doesn't matter as much where your first interview is. But if you do, do anything you can to make that the third or fourth interview that you go on because you will have had some practice. You will have learned a little bit about how to respond to questions, how to keep your stamina up throughout the day, you know, how to pitch the right job talk, all of those pieces. Those are my strategies for today. During this time of year when lots of people are graduating and thinking about jobs, I think you know the timing of this is great. Although I really do think these areas, um, as you think about transitioning to the next position, apply really at any time of year and at any stage of your career. The What's important to you may or may not be important to others around you. And that's why I think people struggle to give each other career advice because they do have different priorities. So I, I use these techniques myself and I've definitely encouraged, you know, the folks in my group to use them. And actually just last week had a conversation with one of them that it worked really well as they start thinking about applying for jobs. Kind of going through this exercise was really helpful to figure out what is the highest priority for them and then to kind of move their search towards that. So I hope that this is helpful for you if you're someone who is on the job job market or about to get on the job market. Um, It also, if you're a mentor and you're trying to teach others how to look for jobs and be on the job market, hopefully these strategies will be useful to you as well. That's it for this week. Take care. You've just listened to another episode of The Calm Podcast. I hope that some of the strategies that I talked about are helpful to you in your journey through academia and life. As they say, it's not all about the destination. It's about the journey. Let's make it a great one. Until next time.